Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're going to be delving in to two UK small caps and to do that, we're kindly joined by the team from Hybridan in their head of research, Darren Nathan, and the head of corporate broking and sales, Neil Pearson. Darren and Neil, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. Pleasure. Thank you. We're going to kick things off. There's two companies we're going to discuss today. First up is going to be Crossword Cybersecurity, and then we're going to move on to physiomics. So, first of all, Neil, yeah. we're going to be discussing crossword cyber securities. Uh, for people that don't know crossword, would you be able to please give us a brief overview of the company? Yeah, sure. Well, it's a good start because, you know, the, the, the trick's in the name, um, crossword cyber security. So, they are, they're quoted on AIM, uh, 21 million market cap. Uh, founded back in, in, in 2014. Um, so they came to AIM oh, about uh, four years ago now, 2018. And, and before that, they were on the NEX and uh, ISX market. So the, the company really started out as a tech commercialization company focusing on uh, cybersecurity. Uh, so what that means is that the whole rationale behind the business was to identify highly innovative products that have been developed in universities that specialize in cybersecurity, um, taking those ideas, taking those concepts, uh, putting a bit of money behind them and dramatically rolling them out to to the market and commercializing them. Uh, So they've been doing that uh, for about eight years now, and and now they've got a variety of of products and, and services based on that philosophy. So we're going to we're going to drill down some of those products mm. a little bit later on on the podcast. But I mean, would you be able to give us a bit of you know sort of an overview of you know the cybersecurity market and and where it's going and possibly where where uh, Crossword fit into that? Mm. Well, it's it's incredibly fast moving um, as you can, as you can imagine. Um, it's it's something that. Yeah, as as cyber attacks evolve, they get incredibly smarter in in terms of the way that they can hack into an organisation, um, and that is kind of big, well, given the nature of the attacks is is accelerating at a fast pace. The ways in which companies have had to protect themselves has, has kind of had to keep up with that, and and that's made it incredibly hard for companies who have one or two products. To, to really keep pace with that. Because if you develop one product within a couple of years, you can be very out of date and behind the market. Uh, and, and that was really the rationale behind um, the CEO, Tom Alube, when he founded the business. He didn't want to be one of those one or two product companies. He wanted the portfolio um, approach to cybersecurity that was underpinned by the latest um, groundbreaking research in terms of how we can how we can really fight against these these cyber attacks okay so you alluded to there that there's an ongoing shift Mm. in security and that's obviously in response to the new threats um i mean how does this benefit crossword well it really benefits 
crossword. I mean, that that leads quite nicely into their their, their products, really. Um, I mean, their their core SaaS product offering stands at about five, uh, stands at five right now, and it's also got an established consulting division, which which almost acts like a triage uh, for what kind of products are applicable um, for for a particular customer. And they cover the, the, the whole spectrum of, of cyber attacks. So anything, you know, right at the start, identifying and detecting cyber attacks, then we're moving on to protecting against those particular attacks and then coming out the other end, being able to respond and recover from any potential damage. And yeah, th- this kind of end-to-end approach, you know, from what I, I said at the start of the conversation, didn't happen by accident, the portfolio um, approach w- was very much um, front of centre in that. Um, and in terms of an example of, of, of one of their products, I, I guess one of their, their core roots lie in a, a product called Rizicon, uh, which is almost their fla- flagship product. And that was, I think, somewhat contrarian at the time uh, when it when it came out, uh, because it, it was very much forward thinking in, it, in its approach, that the, the concept originated from City University, um, here in here in London, and it's very much involved with assessing a company supply risk. So, you know, if you think about your average company, you don't have to be a massive company to have a thousand suppliers, say. Um, and within this di- digital age of Internet of Things, all of these suppliers are connected to HQ. Um, so the Rizicon product looks to identify certain potential hotspots in the supply chain um, through a, a, a dashboard and third party scorecards. Um, because a lot of people just think as HQ defense as being the, the be all and end all behind cybersecurity. But, you know, it's, some of the listeners may remember that the, the US company Target had a huge um, cyber attack actually through their air conditioning supplier. Um, so, it, you know, it just shows that you can have the best cyber defenses at HQ. But if you're one of your suppliers is not really up to scratch, then you can you can very quickly uh, or the, the the attacker can very quickly find their way to to central customer data. So we've also outlined one product there, and you mentioned that they they have five mm. uh, main products. Um, I mean, are there any synergies between these products? Obviously, you know, operating within cybersecurity, you know, there, there's similar threats there. You know, what's the thing about having? you know, five products, uh, you know, is there any synergies between them? Do, I mean, do, do they sort of service each other? Um, how does that sort of fit together in their ecosystem? Yeah, I mean, there, there are some fantastic synergies um, but between all the really, the, all the products and, and, and consulting division. Um, because I, I think when we're looking at the challenges of, a, of an enterprise type sale in, in this kind of sector, it's timing. Um, so it, it not necessarily be be a, an issue of the product. It's just not a, not a good timing for the organisation, or there's certain budget restraints, or there's a uh, personnel lacking in certain divisions. So by getting your foot in the door within a company's consulting team, um, it's then knowing when to bring in what products at that point in time, because it's very relevant. It's very um, it's very rare that all those products are going to be relevant at that same time. And within Crossword's case, that the relationship between products and consulting has, has been very reciprocal. So a lot of consulting engagements has has led to product sales, and a lot of the product sales has led to consulting engagements because, yeah, a, a lot of the cyber challenges that companies face is is not just being solved by selling a product. Um, it's very much about wider company adoption, 
um, changing behaviours, which can only really be monitored by by the consulting approach, um, rather than it, it's, it's a very big management consultant approach, just flogging you a product, flogging you a framework, and off you go, rather than crosswords approach is, is very much more hand-holding along, along the journey to ensure that everyone in the organisation is is aware about how to, to implement these these various policies and procedures. That, that's an interesting point that you bring up there with the consulting side of things, mm. because preparing to this podcast, obviously lo- looking at their recent uh, updates to the market, the consulting mm. sales is you know a fairly significant. In fact, they're the, the largest element of their uh, of their revenue. But we spoke about the different products that they have. I mean, yeah. how does that? move into the in, into the future i mean is it a, a situation where they hope to see the product sales overtake the consulting revenue or is it something that's going to move in tandem um well it's it's interesting and i, I guess it's another it's another good example of how nimble crossword has, has been and, and how you know small companies should should never turn away revenue in any form that it it comes because you know the, the company started as a, as a product company um but but working with the company over a number of years customers started looking behind the products and and saw who was selling those products and the expertise and the i guess saw the expertise of those individuals and and started proactively asking for their advice you know the 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 ceo tom alibi he's been in tech for over 30 years you may remember one of the first internet banks uh egg he was cio of that he's founder of garlic which sold to um uh experian and he's he's been on tech advisory panels at RBS. Um, he was non-exec at BBC, and he's now on the board of WPP. So, very experienced in cybersecurity. Um, the, the the chairman, uh, Sir Richard Dearlove, ex head of MI6, and Dr. Robert Coles as well. He he's ex um, he was ex head of chief, chief information security officer at GSK and and, and National Grid and NHS. So, a, a hugely experienced board. And it is, it is no surprise, given the, the calibre of that board and the senior team, that um, consulting revenue increased by over 100% last year. So, you know, that being said, it's very, we'll probably continue to, to see that revenue continue at an aggressive rate on the consulting side. However, given that there's five SaaS products now in place and, you know, there's been getting some very good traction there and, there's the, the, we we'd expect to see that SaaS revenue start to come in to its own as that um, so that product suite won't won't be far behind so it'll be it's it'll be catching up. So you know going back to the products, um, you know, looking through you know, their recent updates, they've made uh, an, an acquisition. I mean, in terms of sort of looking forwards, is this going to be a company? that looks to grow through M&A activity and uh, making further acquisitions? Or is it going to be a case that they focus on the products that they have there and looking for organic organic growth uh, from those existing products? Yeah, well, the, the guys have, have been, as you say, very active uh, on the M&A side. Um, in, in March, they, they completed, I think it was their third acquisition um, in, in 12 months. And they said they'd aim to have five products in the market by the end of, of 22, which they've done. Um, and I think we'll continue to, to see that solid growth, both organically, um, which, we, which we've seen, and also by acquisition. 
Uh, and I think they have that balance right now. And, you know, they're, they're very conscious that they don't want to stretch themselves too thinly. Um, they've always been very clinical when it comes to, to, to making acquisitions, which you have to be. You know, you look at some of the SaaS valuations, tech valuations, albeit they're starting to, to, to come back. You've got to be conscious not to overpay. Um, they need to be synergistic uh, in terms of the cross-sell opportunities, which um, which they all have been. You know, they've bringing, been bringing on additional clients to Crossword um, and ultimately the... I, I guess the holy grail of of, of SaaS revenue. Um, the, the challenge for small caps and crossword is is no different in in this case. Is is how do you get scale? Um, and 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 they've realised that they they can't do that by purely focusing on acquisition or purely focusing on or organic. It needs to work in tandem. Um, and so far, they, they've demonstrably shown to the market they they can do that successfully. So. They have a forecast of revenue growth uh, for 2022 of, of 75%, mm. which is a very respectable um, figure. I mean, I mean, is this something that's obviously a very high level of growth there? Is that something you could see um, being replicated in you know further years mm. past 2022? Well, yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, you know, g- given their given their current product offering, given the demonstrable. I guess high double-digit revenue growth we've seen over the past three years. Say, um, you're looking at look at the profile of their clients moving up the chain, looking at FTSE 100 and their geographical expansion about what's going on in Amman. Um, kind of all the the stars are aligned. All the building blocks are in place for for continued aggressive growth, um, especially as that SaaS revenue really starts to kick in. Um, then that would give the company more visibility and more comfort on recurring revenues and and putting those out to the market um however we're we're very conscious as are the company um you know growth companies they have to be very careful when they're making market forecasts as it's as we all know it's very hard for them for a company to recover from a profit warning um and albeit we we don't want to be one of those houses that puts out overzealous um, and this forecast, you know, for example, if, if a company says that they're going to grow by, call it, you know, 80%, um, but they come in at 65, you know, 11% less, call it 11% less um, than, than what they said to the market, that would trigger a profit warning, you know, despite still growing um, at nearly 70%. Uh, so you, you've got to be very careful. Um, you don't want to make a rod for your back, especially in this market. Um, but I'm sure when the time's right, um, we'll, we'll put more visit with the company will have more visibility and be able to give more guidance going into into 23. Fantastic. Thank you very much. And uh, something I'm sure listeners will be uh, pleased to, to hear about in the future um, about crossword cybersecurity and how they deliver on their plans. So, uh, Neil, thank you very much. No, you're welcome. For, for that. So, Darren. We're now going to be discussing physiomics, um, ticker PYC, market cap of 4.1 million. Uh, Would you be able to give us an overview of physiomics, please? Of course. So physiomics, a very specialist skill set and technology, um, enables it to deliver best-in-class biosimulation. And that's... um, uh, particularly uh, in the uh, cancer space, which is where they uh, 
solely specialize um, at, at the moment. And uh, what is uh, unique um, about their core consultancy modeling uh, is its predictive ability. So it can actually model um, a drug that has perhaps never been in humans or maybe uh, only ever been synthesized in the lab, never been in a, a living creature and uh, predict um, with pretty good accuracy uh, what effect that will have um, on a particular cancer. And this can be solid tumors or it can uh, be blood cancers. Now it works with big pharma. Uh, some big farmers do do this sort of thing uh, internally on their own, um, but also the uh, biotech space, which is, um, you know, usually has less human capital uh, than the big pharma guys is another uh, rich seam uh, in, in which uh, they can find clients and the core division, uh, which has been the driver of revenue uh, so far uh, in its history has uh, completed over 80 projects um, and this has been a mixture of grant funded projects, uh, big pharma, um, academia including the likes of uh, Oxford University and the Institute of Cancer Research um, and as I mentioned uh, biotech and mid-cap uh, pharmaceutical companies. Uh, now, it's, um, that's not the only string to it, its bow. It's actually uh, looking at applying these skills now and taking them out of a research setting into uh, a medical setting uh, through um, its personalized uh, medicine uh, initiatives. Uh, and it had a grant-funded study, um, and they are now moving this into clinical trials uh, for personalized dosing of chemotherapy uh, uh, for prostate cancer patients for now, although it can be adapted to other uh, indications and to make sure that they are on the correct dose of chemotherapy because clearly, um, you know, chemotherapy, very toxic. You don't want it to... Uh, you don't want to have any more of it than you need, but you also want to make sure uh, that you are getting um, enough to uh, have the right uh, therapeutic effects. So that's that's very interesting. Something that I want to pick up here on, on the personalised on, oncology, and then something that, that the company highlights. Um, I mean, where does this sit, Darren, within you know the market, and what else is available? to patients out there at the moment? Yeah, so um, precision medicine um, is quite um, a widely uh, d defined um, but very fast growing field. And I, I think it's uh, certainly uh, going to be the future of cancer treatment. Um, and, um, it, you know, it's not one size fits all for cancer treatment. We're all different, you know, so different sexes, different sizes, different uh, states of health. We all have um, different genetic profiles as well. So not everybody will respond to the same, uh, 
drug in in the same way and we've seen this um in in the likes of um immunotherapy which is an area uh, physiomics has also done a lot of studies on uh but that that's using the body's own immune system uh to attack cancer and in the you know sort of early generations of those drugs um it it's worked very well where it has worked, but it's had quite a low uh, response rate. Um, I think uh, Physiomics um, is also quite open-minded at looking at other opportunities such as uh, companion diagnostics um, and software co combinations, um, as well as perhaps uh, AI-enhanced modeling to support R&D and maybe even a participation in further drug development uh, as um, it has done uh, with that AIM-peer Valorix. Thank you. So just want to touch very quickly on an ongoing study they're doing with Portsmouth Hospitals University NHS Trust. Uh, this is obviously, as I said, ongoing. What should investors be looking out for from this study? And, and is there any indication on, on when results could be released? Um, yes, um, there, there was a little bit of a COVID delay as we've uh, experienced for many clinical trials. Um, but this is really going to look for further validation of their uh, personalised dosing application um, and will... Um, you know, show, uh, hopefully show that it's uh, very accurate, that it can improve uh, patient outcomes and get patients on the right dose. And that hopefully will be a trigger for further commercial discussions. Um, they've already uh, uh, got one company uh, over in the States uh, looking on it, but, you know, clearly the NHS is uh, uh, the, the one uh, closer to home that, you, that they might hope to uh, get uh, some commercial traction with. And also uh, by validating it in one um, type of cancer, it will also perhaps uh, provide the springboard to look at uh, developing the solution further. So Darren, I just want to drill down into the, the numbers. They put out a trading update earlier on this year and said at that point that they had uh, record contracted revenues uh, at that point for the, the six months to June. But since then, they have announced uh, a further contract win. I mean, having already had uh, announced a, a record contract for the revenue and then in addition, a further contract win. I mean, how significant is this six months for Physiomics? Well, um, you know, they've already... Uh said they had um, higher contracted revenues um, than H1, uh, so 460,000. Uh, so we're, we're forecasting 17% uh, uh, growth for the uh, current year. Um, but I think, you know, to a certain extent, um, they are still uh, just scratching the surface. There's, uh, you know, a lot of uh, companies interested in uh, developing novel cancer applications that aren't um, working with physiomics at the moment. And I think, you know, they've got some really good use cases um, of, of, of how their solution uh, makes the drug discovery process more efficient. So, and with that in mind, you know, they've um, not, not, not too, uh, in, in the not too distant past have uh, 
hired their first commercial director. Um, they've also added to the technical key team. So I think, um, you know, it's fair to say they are preparing for further growth. Thank you. So as I mentioned at the beginning, the company has a market cap of, of 4 million, which, you know, very roughly taking consideration what they've said, you know, in the ballpark of a million pound revenue for the year. So, you know, tra- trading at a you know price to sales of, of four times, given, you know, the momentum that we're seeing in contract wins. I mean, what do you think is of holding this stock back at the moment? Um, you, you know what, I, I, I think um, over the lot, if you look at the share price graph historically, it has, um, you know, uh, performed uh, relatively well. Um, but and, and I think the market just needs to realise that compared to its international peers, um, it's actually uh, offering pretty good value. So you have uh, the likes of Schrodinger and Simulations Plus, uh, which I believe are both NASDAQ quoted, and they're both trading at um, double-digit revenue multiples, even after recent corrections in the tech sector. Um, it's it's a prudently run company as well. Um, you know, they haven't done um, a, a fundraise for quite some time. Um, it's pretty much uh, running at cash break even at the moment. So I think the downside um, risk is quite limited as well. Fantastic. Well, that that's great. Um, so thank you very much uh, for being on the podcast um, to both of you. So uh, just as a, a recap, the two stocks that we discussed today, uh, first up was Crossword Cybersecurity, which has a ticker of CCS, and just then was Physiomics uh, PLC with a ticker of PYC. Neil and Darren, thank you much for being on the podcast today. Cheers, thank Jonathan. You. Thank you. So just a note to listeners, do check out the notes to this podcast. There'll be a little bit more information about both those companies there uh, and uh, a bit of a recap of what we just got, just discussed. So thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk.